Okay, it is time. It is time. So let's get going. There was a lot of things in this chapter. And um, chapter 2, this is my, the last one I'll do uh, now, and then I'll pick it up at the, uh, at the end of June, I think the beginning of June, something like that, is the next one. Because uh, Greg will do it next, and then Khalif will do it, Mark will do it, so there's other people teaching it. And uh, anyway, uh, when I first became a Christian, um, I was the first generation Christian in my family, both on my mother and father's side, and uh, so somebody put in my hand a uh, Schofield King James Bible, and um, then somebody gave me a Haley's Bible handbook, right? And then someone else gave me a Strong's Exhaustive Concordance. Now those, actually this book, of course you have phones now, you can look up things real quick, but this has like every word. If you only think of one word in a passage of scripture, an exhaustive concordance, will, you'll find it, all right? And uh, so this book was a great treasure to me, before phones, before computers, and, um, and the, actually the Haley's Bible Handbook uh, was another one. I, I looked up everything in these books when I first became a believer, and because uh, I didn't know anything, you know, and it takes a long time to learn things. And we, we, also, when you learn something, you may have to relearn it, right? Or add to what you already learned. So it's a, the process of learning is continual, uh, and um, don't give up. You may get discouraged sometimes. You may think you're having a brain freeze and you're not getting it. Don't worry about that. Just continue to plod on, and believe me, God opens your eyes, uh, and he opens your ears to hear the Word of God, and it just encourages you because the truths found in the Word of God are found nowhere else in the world in the universe, right? And um, so um, we're privileged to have the Word of God in our hands, and it's, it's a great blessing uh, to actually um, be a Christian and, and to know that you actually have a, a right relationship with Christ and God because of, of what he's done on our behalf. And, uh, and believe me, when you know those things, it does free you up in your life. It, it frees your mind, it frees your soul, right? It frees your conscience, it frees, you can actually relax and, and enjoy life. And God does want us to enjoy life. The Christian life is not, you know, a bunch of do's and don'ts. It's enjoy life. But of course, in, in enjoying life, we, we are also obeying God. And because uh, obedience is something we want to do now, right? God's, the Spirit of God's given us the desire to want to do it. All right, so that brings us to lesson two. And lesson two is going to be that of, uh, week, it's week four, lesson two, how to know the Bible. Now, there, there's no way in these lessons that we can cover everything. Uh, so we're go only going to cover a few things. And like I said, there was a lot of stuff in this chapter, so everything cannot be covered. So some things you're going to have to retain by your own study. And hopefully you did do the work and uh, you because that's part of it, getting in there and doing the work, looking up the scripture yourself, right? Don't, don't just sit there with your arms crossed and expect, you know, somebody to spoon feed you like a baby. No, we, we are babies when we first become believers, but God wants us to mature to become a strong man who knows the word of God, can fight the devil with it, and then a spiritual father who learns how to, knows how to live by faith every day and just put God first in everything. So, uh, do the work, 
Even if you don't understand it all, just do it, and understanding will definitely come. Let's pray, though. Lord, this morning we thank you for uh, the opportunity to meet uh, with each other and to gather around the Word of God. It's, it's a great blessing. It's exciting to the heart and to the soul. And Lord, we just want to learn more, and we want to be what you want us to be so we can learn how to please you in all things, just as the Scripture tells us. And I pray that you would do that, Lord. Make us grow uh, from a spiritual baby to a spiritual young strong person who knows the word of God, stands on it, and then also a spiritual father who uh, has now internalized and has chewed upon, and now it's becoming a part of how a person thinks and acts and feels and uh, makes decisions that honors you. So I pray that you would do that, continue to do that in our life. We know, Lord, that's your will, and so we want to be part of it and enjoy the blessing of it. I pray in Christ's name, amen. All right, so the first thing, uh, just to some compelling reasons for knowing God's word, all right? Some compelling reasons. Here's the first one. It'll keep you from sin, right? Um, where's that found? Psalm 119, verse number 11. I'm going to have you look up other passages, so I, I don't expect you to look up all the passages this morning, but Psalm 119, verse number 11 says, Your word I have treasured in my heart, that I, might, I may not sin against you, right? I may not sin against you. So it will help you to defeat sin. It not only will help you identify sin, it will help you to defeat sin. Second thing, it will build you up. Acts chapter 20, verse 32 says, and now I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. So it's able to build you up. Now, the Word of God is going to do something else to you. It's going to break you down. It's going to break you down, but it's also going to build you up. It's going to break you down. It's going to drive out of you wrong thinking, uh, wrong thoughts about God, wrong thoughts about life, about yourself, and it's going, about the enemy, and it's going to re replace it with the correct thinking. Right? That's why in Romans 12 it says that we do, we're to be transformed in our mind. So God doesn't bypass your mind. He, he transforms your mind. So you think the way we, we, we start thinking biblically. We start thinking according to how God actually created us. And that's when we begin to see life in a whole different way. And then also thirdly, uh, it, of course, it will cause us to live and not be ashamed. Live and not be ashamed. It says in Psalm 119, 116, sustain me according to your word, that I may live, and do not let me be ashamed of my hope. So the Word of God will actually help you to live life uh, and live it in a way where you're not ashamed. You know, you, there's things we all were ashamed about in our life and could be ashamed about, but we grow to a place where we're not ashamed because a lot of the things that happened in our life that brought shame was a lot to do with our sin. Uh, almost all of it's to do with our sin. And, uh, and to wrong influences, wrong teaching, wrong thinking of being dead and trying to figure out life on our own. You know? And people do that, uh, and they end, many times it ends up in tragedy. right? And it's a shame what's going on today with such a high level of suicide in our culture. 
that has people are hopeless. They, they find no, no other reason to get up the next day and live, right? And, uh, and remember that about when it, when it comes to your life, God has full authority over that. You don't have authority to, to take your life. Only God can, uh, does that, and he'll do it in his timing at the right time. All right? Uh, and then, of course, a fourth thing could be uh, this, to know the truth. All right? Psalm 119, 160. It says, the sum of your word is truth. And every one of you, of your righteous uh, ordinances is, in, is everlasting. All right? Every one of your righteous ordinances is everlasting. So to know the truth. What is the truth? Where do you get truth from today? All right? Are, are you getting truth on, uh, on social media? Are you getting truth on, on television? Are you getting truth, truth from your politics? Politicians? No, nobody's giving truth today. Matter of fact, if you tell the truth, you're in trouble. If you try to hold someone to the truth or to doing what's right, you're in trouble. And it seems everything that is evil is now good. Everything that is good is now evil. And that's exactly what the Bible said. So I, I'm not surprised, right? I don't like it. I don't like what I see, but I'm not surprised because the Bible, the Word of God tells us this is what's going to take place. This is what's going to be. That's reality. And I think one thing that the scripture does help us to how to live in this way, that we live a real life, reality. We live in a sin-cursed world. There's going to be problems in our life. There's going to be weaknesses in our life. There's going to be disease. There's going to be death because God said so. But he's taking care of all those things, all right? And there's going to be a new heaven and new earth where righteousness dwells and where there is no more death or crying or sorrow or, he or pain or disease and so that's what the hope that we have as believers and that is true that is true why is that true well I don't see it but I have it by faith because God is true and his character is true and I can trust him right and then also the next thing is know where I'm going Psalm 119 in verse number five it says oh that my ways may be established to keep your statutes my ways may be established that kind of person knows where they're going they know where their next foot's going to go they're, they know what the next thing to do is because god is directing them and leading them also it gives you understanding psalm 119 verse 99 i have more insight than all my teachers man that's a passage of scripture right for your testimonies are my meditation i have more insight than all my professors. Now that's, that's, or my teachers. Why? Because you know the word of God, right? And the word of God comes from the mind of God. And so therefore, we're going to see through things that are not true. We're going to be able to see what is reality because God allows us to do that by his spirit. Now, of course, somebody can be religious and not have that understanding. Only believers who have the spirit of God have that illumination when they come to scripture. And then a, a, another thing is that we know right from wrong, right? Hebrews 5, 14, but solid food is for the mature who because of practice, they have senses trained to discern good and evil, all right? When you become a believer, you definitely know the difference between good and evil. Matter of fact, you even know that more so in your own heart. You know when you have evil thoughts. You know when you have the desire to do evil things or to go back to your old self 
and, uh, and do something you did back then because at, at then you remember it, it gave you some pleasure. It gave you some relief, but it didn't. It was a, all a big lie and you were just slaves back then. And so you don't do it because I know it won't please the Lord and it won't be beneficial for me growing in my Christian faith, right? So saying all those things, what do we mean when we describe the Bible as sufficient? What do we mean? Now, I'm asking you to answer that question, all right? So what do we mean by that the Bible is sufficient? Okay, it takes up every aspect of your life, Glenda, uh, and, and can fulfill things in your life that nothing else can. What else? Mark. Okay, everything we need to know for salvation, obey him. Right. That's right. So, so and in reality, we, we don't really need anything else but the scriptures, right, to sustain us spiritually. Um, if we had no other books... Now, thank the Lord we do, because God has given teachers with certain gifts that have, have he has given them insight to be able to write to help us make, uh, understand the Bible better. But if we had none of those, we would do fine if we just stayed in the Word of God. And, of course, that one passage of Scripture that we've been probably mentioning almost every week right here in 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, if you just look at the Scriptures as all Scripture, that means Old and New Testament, Right? What is inspired by God, it means comes from God. It's profitable, though. Here it is. The Word of God is profitable for reproof, right, for correction, for training in righteousness. For what reason? So that everyone could be equipped for every good work, for everything God has for you and I to do in this, this side of eternity, the Word of God will provide to you, right? And so... We can never let, we can ne never push it aside, or we can never say, I, I know enough. I don't need to know anymore, or I'm going to take a break. No, no, there's no breaks. You keep going because it's going to be beneficial for you, right? It's going to break you down, and it's going to build you up, and it's going to mature you spiritually so you can do what God wants you to do in this life. He has something for everybody to do. And, uh, and believe me, when I first became a Christian, do you think that in my mind at that time I wanted to be in front of people and, and teach the Word of God or preach the Word of God? No way. That was the furthest thing from my mind. In fact, the thought of it would, would make me think I would never want to do that. Not me. And yet, that's what the Lord did. <laughs> I would never have picked it. And believe me, if it's not for the Word of God, I don't want to be in front of people because I don't have much to say apart from the Word of God, you know? And, uh, but the Word of God is, is just to have the privilege to study it and to be broken down and built up in my own office is, is um, I always think I'm the weakest person in the, the whole uh, chain link because the Lord has to keep me in that office to study so he makes me strong enough to live the next day, right, and do what he wants me to do. But the Word of God will make you strong. And uh, it will not allow you to be swayed back and forth by all the strange stuff going on in any particular culture at, a, at any point where any person ever lived. Like, we live in a very confusing, uh, I mean, 
information dump every single day in our life. And, you know, young kids have too much information too soon, and, and they can't handle it. And that's why there's all this confusion about who they are, what they're supposed to be, what they're supposed to do. Uh, and, you know, it ends up many times not, not being very good at all for them. So the scripture uh, includes really preaching, teaching, counseling believers unto godliness. Uh, and so therefore, that means the primary focus of every sermon, every Bible study, every counseling opportunity, uh, every time you're talking with somebody about the word of God has to be scripture. Uh, we must be teaching the word of God as the church gathers. That's always the emphasis uh, is that we are to teach the sufficient scripture. Uh, and if we don't do it, if we fail to do it, if we fail to recognize the inspiration and the inerrancy and the authority and the sufficiency and the revel relevancy of the word of God, then what happens is that we start pursuing just our own comfort rather than obedience. And it ends up being, you know, health, wealth, and prosperity or whatever else you want to put on that list, right? It, it ends up being personal experience as your authority rather than the authority of the word of God. It ends up being contemporary thinking as our guide instead of uh, the, the principles of divine truth, you know, political correctness. I can't say this and I, I, I can't think like that. Uh, you know, don't offend that group and don't talk about sin and, oh, but you can't mention that doctrine. Forget that. Just preach the next thing, right? Just tell people what the word of God says and it's going to do what it needs to do. And uh, we can't pick and choose. And uh, what they call the Jefferson Bible, where he cut out pages of scripture and scripture that he didn't like. And, it, you know, that's not what we're, we're to do. We're to take the word of God, study it, and then give it out and live it our own lives. So if we, do, if we don't believe the word of God is sufficient, really the church produces people uh, who really pursue their own desires based on ungodly standards and cultural and societal worldliness that's what happens because if, if you don't have the word of god what do you have right you just got yourself in the world and then satan doesn't help in that in that uh mix of things so this passage of scripture incredible passage of scripture you're included it and it does mean that uh it's always got to be the bible plus uh nothing uh, it's not management skills, it's not psychology, it's not traditional church fathers or other books. Nothing is needed to make the Bible relevant. The Bible may not give an explicit answer to every uh, uh, specific problem, but it will always give the principles by which we can, through obedience, glorify God. It will always give that, right? So, Bring, bring, that brings me to the next, how to know the Bible, right? Now, this seems in your book simple, but how about starting to hear it? Uh, now, do you think there's a problem when it comes to hearing? Do we have a problem when it comes to hearing? What, what is the problem? All right. The Lord does need to give us ears to hear. Somebody could sit in a church that preaches the word of God for 30 years and not hear a thing. You know, and not hear a thing. And of course, it will, it will be present in their life too. 
But one thing that God does when he saves people, he gives them ears to hear not just anything, but the word of God. So hearing is very important. In fact, take your Bible and turn to 2 Timothy chapter 4. 2 Timothy chapter 4, first of all, and then we're going to look at these other passages too on the screen. Uh, but 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1 and 2 says this. Now, of course, Paul is writing to young Timothy, who's going to be the pastor of the church at Ephesus, right? And he's young, and he's a bit afraid, uh, and he's going into something where, uh, into a culture maybe he wasn't necessarily uh, sure about. And so it's, Paul writes to him, he says, I solemnly charge you, 2 Timothy 4, 1, in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is the judge, is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing and his kingdom, verse number two, preach the word, right? Herald the word, be ready in season and out of season. Now, that in season and out of season, that been, it's been taken different ways, but basically what he's saying in that passage of Scripture is that something, in the, in the sense of preaching the word of God, there can be a time when it's in, in season and people want it. And it could be a time when it's out of season where everybody's against it. But you don't stop because the people don't want to hear it. You keep preaching. Why? Because God said so. That's why. And in, in doing that, notice the next, it says preach the word, be ready in season and out of season. Re, it says again, he, reprove, rebuke, exhort, with great patience and instruction. Now, that great patience, that means it's going to take many times a long time for some people to get it. But you got to keep doing it. You have to have the patience to keep doing it. Go to the next passage. Go to the next book. Preach it through. And go, you know, and then just keep going. Because if you do that, you're going to not only, it's not only going to benefit yourself, it's going to benefit those who hear you. Right? And you're going to, uh, be planting seeds, cultivating hearts, so the word of God takes root and people grow up uh, and to have a, a life that is uh, solid in Christ Jesus and uh, not wavering, but very stable. So listening to the word of God, hearing it is vital. It, ha it has to start there. It, it can't go any other place. So I do want you to turn to Acts chapter uh, 5 in verse number 51. Did I say, is that 51 there? Yeah. Acts chapter 7, verse 51. Excuse me. Acts chapter 7, verse 51. Now, in Acts, uh, it's really indicating a serious problem amongst the people of Israel. As the apostles went around, remember, Acts is a, is a historical book, all right? That means it's recording what happened, all right? What happened, how the gospel came to the Jews, to the Gentiles, to the Samaritans, and how it affected people. Some people received it. Some people rejected it. Some people said, I want to hear more about this. All right? And so there's many different things. But if you notice here in verse number 51, look at the middle of the verse. It says, and ears, it says they were actually hard of hearing. It says, and ears are always resisting the Holy Spirit, you are doing just as your fathers did. 
So he's referring to the Old Testament group of Israelites who didn't listen to God either. If you read the wanderings in the wilderness, the people were not very compliant to God's word. They were bucking Moses at every step. They were bucking Joshua at every step. Even in the last chapter of Joshua, Joshua had to try to persuade his people to put away your idols and listen to God and obey him. So the people were still doing what they shouldn't have been doing. And so this whole thing about always resisting is this resistance. It really means, the, 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 literal, the word literally means to fall against or to rush against something. So the resistance here is not just against, we know Stephen is the one in this context preaching. And he's giving a whole history of Israel. But it's against God himself. So what great sin is committed when people resist the Holy Spirit by refusing to listen to the word of God? They're hard of hearing. And this is not just slow comprehension, but it's an inability to comprehend at all. The prophet Jeremiah was right when he diagnosed the people's spiritual problem. In Jeremiah chapter 6 and verse number 10, and what did he say there? Really good passage of scripture. It says, to whom shall I speak and give warning that they may hear? That's a question. Behold, their ears are closed and cannot listen. Behold, the word of the Lord has become a reproach to them. They have no delight in it. Are there people like that? That you can talk about anything, but don't talk about Jesus and the word of God. Immediately, they start saying, oh, now let's not go there, you know? And they don't even want to hear. They don't want to even talk about what, what they say religious things, right? That's either too personal to them or not. But there are people uh, that have closed ears. And because they have closed ears and will not listen, the word of God is, is a reproach to them, and it's no delight to them at all. It's a disdain to them, uh, right? It's something they dislike very much. So they stopped, in reality, listening to the word of God. And because they do that, they stop listening, then they misunderstood God, and they must misunderstood almost everything else in their life. And it became, even their own history, according to the history that I don't know if you ever read that passage of Scripture in Acts where Stephen really lays out the history of Israel. I mean, every single part. It's a great passage of Scripture if you want to know what happened in the Old Testament. He kind of like gives a whole summary of the Old Testament in, in that chapter. And, and yet, but what do they do to Stephen? They stoned him to death. They stoned him to death uh, because they didn't want to listen. And they, they didn't think it was them. It was about them. Or maybe they thought it was about them. Yes, That's right. That's, that's, that's right. And, and see, that's, that's the thing, is that the literal rendering of the word is to fall against or to rush against. Like, no, I don't want it. It's not just like a casual, I don't want to hear. No, it, it's, a, it's a violent, I don't want to hear. And, um, and yet the word of God does produce that in people because it gets down to the deep recesses of the heart. 
you know? Oh, I'm not responsible to anything, anybody. I'm not re- I don't even believe there's a God who created why, how can I, why would I be responsible to him? Right? That, that's the way people often think, and, and many, maybe you have thought that way at one time, that you didn't need anybody, and, and so therefore you, know, you had your own way of thinking about things and doing things, your own philosophy of life. Even in Psalm 40 in verse number 6, don't really have time to look at that, but it says there, um, sacrifice and meal offering, you have not desired, it says, my ears you have opened. Burnt offerings and sin offerings you have not required. Now, in that passage of Scripture, it really means there that the people were dead to the voice of God, and God had to, in a sense, dig out their ears so they would listen. He would dig it out. And so what does God do? He actually you know, takes a pick, if you want to have a, a picture of it, and a shovel, and mines through the sides of the cranial granite that's stuck in our ears, making the opening in our ears so we would hear the word of God. And so the, actually the passage of Scripture literally tells us that uh, now that you have made me listen, now that you, and then it says, and finally I understand you don't require burnt offerings and sin offerings if the heart is not right and if my ears aren't open to listen, you know? And that's what happens because the Christian mind is not merely to read the word of God, but the word of God is to be heard. It's to be internalized. It's to be personalized. And if not, you're just going through religious motions and that doesn't please God. It doesn't please God for you just to say, teach me something. No. Because if somebody has that kind of attitude, you'll learn nothing. God wants a heart that's receptive, ears that are open, eager to learn, eager to take it in. I don't know about you, but when I first became a Christian, and I still have it now, I was excited to hear the word of God. And any time it was being taught, I was there. I was there, and uh, I was there with open eyes and open ears, and I wanted to learn, and I, I still thank the Lord today. I still desire that. I still have that. And I learned, even all the teachers in our church, I learned from everybody who teaches. I'm there. I'm learning something because God's using the gift that you, he's given uh, many of you people to teach other people so uh, we can pass it on and, and we can grow together. So the word of God is meant to be heard, uh, to go to the heart, it's also meant, uh, if we read the rest of Psalm 40, we find that David speaking there says that it actually loosened his tongue and it caused him to speak joyfully of God's righteousness and his loving kindness and his truth among the gathered assembly. So it's not just a religious ritual. It ends up being, when you listen to the word of God and it it gets a hold of your heart, it's going to be real worship. Real worship. So when it comes to listening, when it comes to listening, do you think you are the problem? Who's the problem when it comes to listening? When moms tell their children, don't do this, and they look at you in great defiance and do it anyway. Where's the problem? The problem's in their heart, right? 
problem is in your heart. So when it comes to not listening, we're the problem. And God wants to rectify that problem. And he wants to open your ears. And in many cases, he'll take a pick and shovel and open them if you won't open them themselves, yourselves, especially if you're a believer, right? And some people say, you know, I've met Christians who have said, um, you know what, I, I never was good in school. Uh, I didn't even graduate high school. And now I'm a Christian. I look at the Bible, and I can't understand anything I read. And they're just living this constant just depression with themselves because they don't understand things. And guys, you, know, you just tell them, just keep at it, keep doing it. And this one particular person, actually, I'm, I'm speaking about, was actually illiterate and learned how to read after becoming a Christian later in life and began to understand the word of God. And his whole life exploded and became completely different, right? And one, one reason why is because he wanted to hear. He wanted to learn, and God gave that to him. Now, so the Lord will do that. You know, so don't say to yourself, you can't do this or I can't learn this. That's not true, because you have the Holy Spirit of God now uh, in illuminating your heart and mind, so you will be able to learn it. So what benefits does listening and obeying to the word of God promise to us? It promised to, promised to us all kinds of benefits. Uh, it says in Proverbs chapter 1, verse 33, but he who listens to me shall live securely and will be at ease from the dread of evil. All right, now remember, in Proverbs, what is Proverbs? It's the picture of the father teaching his son wisdom how to live skillfully. And what does he say in chapter one? He says, listen, if you listen, these are the benefits you're going to have. You're going to have live a life that's secure. That a life of security means it's going to be exempt from worry because you know what you're doing. You know, you know what life's about. And then also, once you hear, it will be an ease from dread, the dread of evil. Now, that... That is amazing, and it all comes from listening to the voice of the one who has wisdom so you can learn how to live skillfully in your life. And the one who has wisdom is God teaching us through the word of God. Even in the Gospels, Luke chapter 11, verse 28, he said, on the contrary, blessed are those who hear the word of God. And what? And observe it. So it's not just hearing. Of course, the next thing is going to be to read, read it and study it. To read it and study it. If you notice in Timothy, 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse number 13, it says, until I come, give attention to the public reading of Scripture, to exhortation and teaching. Now, looking at this passage of Scripture, you'll realize why do we read the Scripture every Sunday? Because the Bible says to do it right? Read the scripture. And it could be for those who are not necessarily reading the scripture, so they hear it. They're hearing the scripture, and they're, they're listening to the scripture, and they're being exhorted by the scripture, and they're being taught by the scripture. So if you're not able uh, to preach it, then how people are going to hear it? And that's why in uh, the next passage in 2 Timothy 2, Verse 15, why don't you turn there in your Bibles uh, and really be, be, 
I always keep saying this, but be ready to use a paper Bible because you're not going to learn your Bible by uh, using your phone because your phone is too sterile. It's doing the work for you, right? You don't have to turn the pages. I, th I think, isn't there an app where if you use your phone, it sounds like the pages are turning? All right. Because I said one Sunday, I said, how come, you know, when, it's, it's really nice to hear paper Bibles because you hear people's pages turning, but then in, on the phones, there's nothing, right? So I think somebody says, I think there's an app like that, you know? There probably is. There's an app for everything. Uh, but anyway, just to read it uh, and study it, but notice the passage. It says, be diligent to present yourself approved to God as a workman who does not need to be ashamed accurately handling the word of God. Now, of course, this is a passage specifically to people who will be pastors, but nonetheless, it's for the body of Christ. It's for all of us, because all of us should be studying the word of God, right? Because you don't know what God's going to do with you in the future. You may be a Sunday school teacher. You may, there may be someone here that's going to grow up to be a preacher. There may be someone here who's going to be someone who's going to teach, you know, women groups and stuff like that. So you don't know what the Lord's going to do, but you start learning the word of God. It starts filling you up. It starts correcting your heart and mind. Then you may be the one who he gives. You see that you have that gift of teaching. And you know why? If you have the gift, then you have to use the gift because God's given it to you for our benefit, for the benefit of the body, not just for your own benefit, the benefit of the body. So when you are, when I am, or, and you are studying to be approved by God and to not be ashamed before him, why are you not ashamed? Because you're starting to learn how to handle the Bible correctly. You're not misinterpreting it. You're using it as intended. And that becomes very beneficial to you and to others because that what's really, it it is what really gives you understanding. All right, so these are some of the questions. Of course, read the Bible, prevent truth decay, right? Not tooth decay. He's, here are some of the questions that we should be asking when we are studying the Scripture. Who's speaking? To whom was the passage written? What is the main idea of the passage? What does uh, the chapter teach concerning Christ or God? In, in those senses. Is there an example for me to follow in this passage? Is there an error for me to avoid? Is there any duty for me to perform? Is there any sin to confess? Is there a promise for me to claim? All right, well, so what is it? You know, those are questions that really need to be asked when you are studying the Word of God. All right, so when we think about that, let's say we were, uh, well, this is a little thing, a guy says, is there any Bibles that doesn't convict me and it doesn't make me feel like I have to do something, you know? And uh, that is, uh, hopefully that's not you, <laughs> you know? But we read it, and then, of course, we have to have a definite plan. Now, let's just say in a definite plan of studying the Word of God, we have to study words sometimes. Now, I'm not really looking at the dangers of studying the Bible incorrectly. That's, that's going to have to be a lesson for another time. But these are just, you're gonna, let's say you're studying the word heart in Scripture, right? Now, there's a lot of passages that talk about the heart. Just in, in some of these listed up here, like Matthew 5, 8, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. And then um, 
Mark 10, but Jesus said to them, because of the hardness of your heart, he wrote you this commandment. And then in James 4, 8, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Now, if there's a whole other list. In the Jeremiah, that famous passage we always use, the heart is more deceitful than all else and is desperately sick. Who can understand it? When we're looking at even a word heart, we have to be careful that we don't say, well, this word heart means exactly the same thing in this passage as it does in that passage. No, you always have to be looking at the context, right? Because, and we have to really say, what, what does the heart actually mean? Somebody who's just hearing the word of God, they think the heart was that thing that's beaten in your chest? No, the heart is, comprises the mind, right? The will, the conscience, all those things are included in, in when the Bible talks about the heart. It's, it's who you are and your inner man. And so the Bible's going to use that term uh, often. Uh, I was uh, talking to a missionary many years ago, and he says that in, in the culture that he's uh, ministering in, they don't have a word for heart. Actually, the word heart is the word for stomach. So stomach would be the center of their being. And so th there's the problems that you have in translating things. Uh, you have to figure out what things mean and, and to make sure they mean a certain thing within that context of that passage of Scripture. I can't, doing a word study could be the most dangerous thing you can do, or proof texting. I'm using a word here and a word in the Old Testament, and I'm making them say, mean the same thing, and they don't from the context. So, but you don't know that right away. And so you have to be very careful when you're studying the Word of God that you're staying within the parameters of the context of Scripture. All right, so we hear it, we read it, we study it. A definite plan, we're studying words. Also, we should be studying doctrines. Uh, the doctrine, theology proper is the doctrine of God. Uh, Bibliology is the doctrine of the Bible. Actually, we've been doing a little bit of that in this course, and you're going to be, uh, the next uh, study is going to be the character of God, so that's going to be the doctrine of God. So we are be, we're going to be teaching doctrine, and of course, soteriology is the doctrine of salvation. Pneumatology would be the doctrine of the Holy Spirit. Eschatology would be the doctrine of end time. So all these particular doctrines in Scripture, uh, it's often called systematic theology when you systematize things. And I, I think of it like this. As you're hearing the Word of God, as you're studying the Word of God, and as you're being exposed to the Word of God more and more, and more it's like a closet. And in the closet, you have all these hangers, right? And what you're doing is you're starting to put the hangers in the right place, right? So there's order, all right? And then God begins to kind of like uh, draw this great panoramic picture in your mind that it's, it's got a bunch of pieces missing. And then as you're learning more, you're starting to put the pieces in the, into the picture, and you're starting to see God's vast program that he's included you in of this, this whole thing called salvation and how God's going to redeem you. And then when you do that, that's how we become stronger, because now we, we see God's plan, and, and it becomes part of our life. Uh, now, the, uh, the next one, of course, you study chapters and books, and if that's what we do in preaching through the Word of God, you know, 
we're, we're, we're studying Colossians, right? We're studying First John. We st uh, we're, uh, we're studying. Khalif is doing First John with the uh, the Yam people. Dave's doing the Gospel of John. So we're having a, a large parameter of different things being taught by different people along the way. All right, Old Testament, New Testament. Try to switch back and forth uh, in doing that. But nonetheless, what's ever being taught, we're going to be learning both the Old and New Testament. Even when you're preaching the, the New Testament, the New Testament is based on the Old Testament. A lot of things that is written here is based on the Old Testament. So we're going to be learning both. Now, this comes to the next one, is that we memorize the Scripture. Psalm 119, verse 11. Turn there. Psalm 119, verse 11. I think... Well, these next two, I think, are probably neglected more than they should be today. It says in Psalm 119, verse 11, Your word I have treasured in my heart that I might not sin against you. Now, how do you think his word, the word of God is treasured in his heart? He memorized it, right? He didn't walk around, you know, herding the sheep with the, the scroll. Remember, back then, scrolls were probably about this big. He didn't do that. They didn't carry books around with them back then. It was in your mind. You memorized it. In fact, Old Testament Hebrew language is written as a memory language. It's only got 50,000 vocab words in the Hebrew Old Testament. So that means that it's meant to be learned. It, a lot of the literature, like Psalms and Proverbs, are meant to be memorized in, in large blocks. And if you ever heard someone uh, speak Hebrew, it would sound like they're actually singing. It's got meter to it. It's got rhythm to it. So it would be much more easier to memorize. Now, you bring that into American English, forget it. American English is choppy. There's millions of vocab words being added to our vocabulary more and more every year. Uh, in the Old Testament, the vocabulary was, it was a dead language, biblical Hebrew, so that means no vocabulary is being added to it. Uh, God closed the language in the New Testament too, so no new vocabulary is being added to Koine Greek. And so there are locked languages, and of course God did that for a reason, all right? so that we cannot change things. We can't give different meanings to things. It has to remain the same, all right? It's consistent. But this is my, this one right here is my pet peeve. Meditating on it. I really firmly believe that Christians do not meditate on the word of God today. And that there was a story that I'm gonna to relate to you There's a story I'm going to relate to you in a second that uh, I, I think is pertinent to this. A very important way to develop the Christian mind is by biblical meditation. David points out, it is the mind that delighted in the things of God. Psalm 119 and verse number 97 it says, oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day. 
So what David was learning, he was thinking about it all day long. So it doesn't matter what you do for a living. You can be thinking about what you're being taught in the Word of God every day, all day. And that's the only way that we can have a transformed mind. It's not just by hearing it, and it's just not by reading it. This is the most significant discipline I believe a Christian can have in their life, is to be thinking about it. Thinking about what you're learning. It also says in Psalm 19, 148, my eyes anticipate the night watchers that I may meditate on your word. So it looks like David gets up in the morning, he's thinking about what he's learning from God's word, he goes through the day, and at night, he's still thinking about it. See, that's how you have a transformed mind. If you want to drive out all the stuff and all the sinful behavior and thinking in your mind, it has to be by meditation. So David couldn't wait to have some quiet time in order to occupy his attention on the Word of God. He could not wait for those times. And that, I'm, that's, I mean by getting away into a quiet place and thinking. Do you think thinking is beneficial today? Do you think thinking is beneficial? I'm talking about real, real thinking, right? Most people did not even invent things or create things by just going full speed ahead on everything they did in their life. No, they stopped and they thought hours sometimes, calculating, wondering, doing the, the math on it to see if something would be able to be made and created. That's the way it usually happens. It's the same thing when it comes to the Word of God, that Christians should, from time to time, ask themselves questions in order to assess their thought life. Questions like, where are my affections directed? A question like, about what do I spend a lot of time thinking about? Are my thoughts and imaginations more often good or evil? Worry-filled or peaceful? You can actually evaluate yourself to see where you're at in those things, right? Am I setting my inner disposition on things above or mainly on things on the earth? Puritan Thomas Watson wrote this, a Christian, I quote, enters into meditation as a man enters into the hospital, that he may be healed. He said, meditation heals the soul of its deadness and earthliness. Watson went on to say, the devil is the enemy of meditation. He knows that meditation is meant to compose the heart and bring into it the gracious frame of mind which thinks about God. Satan is content that you should be hearing and praying, Christian, but it, not to be a meditating Christian. So, I think that this is something I had to learn, and I always think, you have to do this, you got to do that, you got to do that, you got to do that to sit back and when I close 
my office door and I come home, you know what I'm doing? I'm thinking about the passage and the implication it has. And I thought in the beginning that wasn't very beneficial. I was wasting time, actually. And I actually had to be in the office, had to be doing this and this and this. And I said, no, actually the most profitable time that I have after studying the Word of God is thinking about it. How does it affect my life? How does it add to what I'm already learning? How does it make me more godly, holy? What are, what are the sins that are being identified? All those things are going through your mind when you're meditating on the Word of God. See, Satan is opposed to this great spiritual discipline of biblical meditation. Now, the problem is, is that the kind of current medication that is fashionable today is identified more with non-Christian system of thought. It is not biblical Christianity. Meditation, in other words, associated with yoga and TM and relaxation therapy and new age movement thought and Roman Catholic spirituality and mysticism and contemplative prayer, all those things are not biblical meditation. See, false religion has hijacked meditation, and many Christians are suspicious of it altogether. Even when we mention the word meditation, oh, we don't do that as Christians. Oh, yes, you do. But make sure it's biblical meditation. No, today we're, we are really more than ever have access to many kinds of preachers and can turn them on anytime we want, any time of day. And some people come and tell me that they have listened to three or four messages this past week, including mine. And then they go on to tell me how depressed they are and how their spiritual walk is rocky and that their marriage is not doing good. And I think to myself, wait a minute, you just told me you, you listened to four sermons this week. So what was missing? You know what's missing? You can't listen to four sermons and be able to digest that so it gets into your spiritual life. Just like you sitting uh, behind the table, if someone gave you like six servings of the same thing, you would have to push one way at, at one point, right? Because I can't take this. Why? Because you get full and your body cannot handle it and you can't digest it. And in the end, it's not going to be nutritious to you. It's the same thing with the Word of God. It's the same thing with the Word of God. It was, it was a man named uh, John Ball who had his finger on the problem in his day, and he wrote on divine meditation and discovered without meditation, truths are devoured but not digested. So you can put your, your, your mind on a, on a fire hose and fill yourself up with all these things, and you think they were the greatest thing, but you learn nothing because you did not meditate on what you did hear. So that means you cannot hear a lot before you can meditate on it. We hear it in bits and pieces. 
See, listening to many sermons is not the key to growing spiritually healthy. It's only part of the means of grace for spiritual growth. James Usher counseled people 350 years ago to meditate, and this is what he said. One hour spent thus meditating is, more, is worth more than a thousand sermons. It is not putting down the word of God, it is honoring it. He said, he said without meditation, our faith and understanding will remain simple and undeveloped, like unripened fruit. By meditating deeply on God's word, God, we will get richly inspired. We will develop a loving fellowship with him. And then he said a godly Christian is a meditating Christian. See, so are, are we doing that? So sometimes you have to readjust things in your life so you do that. And so it becomes something you can actually spiritually digest. And as you spiritually digest it, it has incredible value for your life. Shoving stuff in your, in your mind that you can't handle because you can't process and decipher all of it is not going to be helpful, right? You want to digest it so you can live it. Godliness and holiness comes from meditating, biblical meditation. So you may have to limit how many sermons you listen to and listen to one and understand it. And it should be from your pastors. Amen? I want to hear an amen on that one. Okay, we're done. So let, well, I'm not done, but we're done. So let's, let's pray. Father, thank you this morning because your kindness to us is undeserved. And, but yet, Lord, we, we are so glad you've given it to us. And I do pray, Lord, this morning that we would be Christians that have ears to hear, that we love the word of God, and that, Lord, we love it to the point we want to think about it in the morning, in the afternoon, and the evening. And I pray, Lord, it would be so beneficial to our spiritual health that, Lord, you would, by the word of God, and by our thinking about it, would make us strong Christians who grow every day in holiness and godliness so we can be the people that you want us to be on this side of eternity and learn how to please you in all things. And I pray in Christ's name, amen.